0: Good morning. You have a seat. Good morning. Lord be with you. Well, thank you. Um, As we jump into this um, uh, identity sermon as kind of a a follow up to discussing and studying Gideon, um, by by the way, I'm sorry about the confusion. We actually, by the end of the service, may need a few people to move into these seats that apparently people thought were saved by little pieces of green trees. Um, That's actually for an activity at the very end of the sermon. So we'll need these spaces, ironically, the very spaces filled in that you thought were taken, that apparently somebody had gone off and broken off pieces of trees in order to save their seats. Um, We're a quirky group, but that's that's pretty quirky right there. So uh, I don't know who would think that way. Um, Anyway, so feel free to, at some point... I will need you by the end. I will actually say I need now some people to jump up and fill in these seats. Um, that's awesome. Uh, welcome to church work. So um, uh, so as we're following up with Gideon, Gideon, who, as you remember, hopefully you remember, had to learn what it meant to have identity bestowed upon him. Um, and that's something that our culture has lost almost completely. And by our culture, I mean the Western culture. The entire western world. I'm not expert enough to know with the eastern world how they deal with this. But in the western world, um, this is something we've lost. Is the, is the understanding that some aspects of our, but our identity are given to us. We have in the postmodern metaphysic, we've reached the point where we've said there are no external sources for anything. No one can tell me something about me. Only I can tell me something about me. Only I can tell you something about me. But I can't tell you anything about you. I can't tell you that you're wrong. I can't tell you that you're evil. I can't tell you that you've sinned. I can't tell you that you're awesome. I can't tell you that you're amazing. I can't tell you that you're brilliant. None of that means anything because I'm an external source. And there's no external sources for things anymore in the Western world. We've, we've, we've forbidden that. And amazingly, even shockingly, we've decided somehow that even things like genetics are external sources. I'm not sure I fully understand that reasoning. But we've decided even our genetics, they're not allowed to tell us anything about us. So nothing outside of our own brains is allowed to tell us anything about us. And certainly no culture can tell us. And certainly no other people can tell us. And certainly no church or neighborhood can tell us. And certainly no job can tell us. And definitely no God can tell us something about ourselves. So they can't tell us bad things and we can't trust they tell us good things. Only we're allowed to tell ourselves something. Let me just tell you, this is a, this is a, this is a guaranteed path to insanity as a culture. We knew it 150 years ago when this started to appear. And the writings about this is what's going to happen because of this started saying it then. But we're now there. We are in the midst of it as a culture. And God's church is one of the last places left. Some of God's churches are the last places left willing to say, actually, there are some things that God or maybe culture or the rest of us or our friends tell us about us or our parents that are true. And whether we like it, believe it, or know it is irrelevant to the fact that it's true. And there's some things that that we have to be told about ourselves. And this is important because the truth is psychologically we know deep down that we aren't trustworthy sources of knowledge about anything, not even about ourselves. So with that being said, how do we then begin to accept? And so I've picked just a few. And this is... We could have done this in any number of ways. There's dozens of different directions I could have taken this. I have chosen essentially three statements where I say, because of who God is and because of what he has said about us, therefore we blank, whatever it is. The behaviors always follow the identity. The identity always follows the theology. Whether you know it or not, this is true about you too. Your theology is what dictates your identity. Your bad theology may be what's dictating your identity. Your wrong theology, your poor theology, but it's still doing it. And we'll talk more about that before we're done. But that, that identity, that theology dictating identity, that identity is what's supposed to be dictating what we do. And so I'm going to use examples. I mean, straight up from the bulletin examples of therefore we do this. You could pick this time during the year. And I could say, here's who, we, here's who God is and what he says about us. Therefore, that's who we are. Therefore, here's some of the things we do. I could do that at any point during the year. I should be able to do that at any point during the year. And anything on the church calendar is linked directly back to what we believe about what God says about us. Anytime that's not true, that event needs to be cut, tossed, trashed, burned. And if we don't understand who we are in Christ, if we don't understand that we are his, then the whole thing should be shut down. And the church is not about us, or at least it's not primarily about us. It is the least about us. Um, hopefully I'll wrap that back up too. And that's, that's a mistake that we make is that it's natural for us to think that somehow church is about us. And primarily it isn't. Um, we'll get there before we're done. Um, again. So who we are. Many different ideas, his bride, his children, his ambassadors. But what key, the key word there is his, 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 his. We are, we are his as individuals. We're his as a church. We are his. This is the fundamental. If this isn't true, if we don't recognize, accept, and live as we are his, then we need to board up the doors and sell this to somebody else. Um, We don't have anything to offer if it's just us. Um, who we are. That's who we are. So I will start by reiterating with the one we started. We, we ended with last week. We are his church. Matthew sixteen eighteen. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Petros, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We talked a little bit about the the offense-defense assumption based on the idea of the gates of hell not being able to resist us, his church. Hell is on the defense, not us. Part of it is because we understand the truth. But the part I want to focus in on, blessed are you, who who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and blessed are you, um, and I tell you, you are Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. It's his church. The church is his church. This church is yet an example of another one of his churches. Churches, This is his church. It's not ours. It's his. That being said, we therefore, um, following the example of the Apostle Peter, we make a proclamation. Following the example that Almighty God, it's really Almighty God's proclamation. Notice, Jesus gives credit to God for Peter's proclamation. It's God who had to reveal it. It's God's proclamation. So, we accept him as preeminent. As first, highest, and most. Colossians one eighteen, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in everything he might be preeminent. He is our only measure of success. Now again, we're terrible at this. Um, we believe it, we seek it, we practice it, but we're flawed people, and so we're terrible at it. We seek to figure out what it is that God has for us. We're poor receptors, but we try. We do our best. And when we, when we talk, we'll talk about some of this in a minute, how this lives out. But we take our relationship to him seriously. We don't take ourselves very seriously. If you've been here very long, you've probably picked up on that. We don't take us very seriously. A lot of times what people will report after their first visit, one of their favorite things, I see this on social media all the time, is little signs we have out in the parking lot for some of the parking spaces. If you've not seen those, check those out. We eventually, my goal, I'd love to have every parking space have one of those little signs that says something. Because they're all going to be fit. I mean, it's, we don't take ourselves very seriously. We don't come here because we have it all together. In fact, by definition, if you're here and you have it all together, you should now come take the mic. I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. Um, and actually, you shouldn't. Because if you think you have it all together, you definitely don't need to be on mic. Uh, that would be a huge mistake. Something very, very broken. So <laughs> his relationship to us is a big deal. We aren't really that big a deal. But we get to be a big deal in him. Again, we'll talk more about this. But the, So here's some examples, some examples of us making him preeminent. One is um, the devotion Sundays that we do. Um, these are relatively new. It's a new idea compiling a bunch of different things so that we can take a Sunday and really focus in on some of these key aspects of the church, the things the church does to remind ourselves of who he is. So, so we do that um, every every few months. We do what we're calling a devotion Sunday where we have... Um, family dedication We have communion all together And we have baptism all together As part of the service um, We do baptisms all, all the time All during the weeks um, Usually right before the first service begins out there Where we have our baptismal right out here and, and that's awesome But on this Sunday we do it in such a way That we just do it all together We somehow empty out the room Or we figure it out Or we do it in here or something We have a communion table by the way That's at the back of the room Every Sunday Um, So, so when it was the idea came up that, Hey, you know, some of us come from traditions where communion is done every week, right? Where communion is done every week and and we don't do it every week, but that was an important part of our family's worship or being prepared to worship or to engage in worship. And that's awesome. And so when the idea came up, John Redford's dad, John Redford senior, um, who goes to our church too, he's a pastor. And he said, well, one of our churches, we just had a communion table set up. So, and that's it. It's right back there in that corner. And the only thing we ask is that you don't take communion alone. Um, That you have someone else with you, your family or another believer or whatever. But any Sunday you want to, at the end, at the beginning, at the middle or whatever, right back there, you can go and and partake of the Lord's Supper. And you do so in remembrance of him and remembering that he is coming back. That's that's an important thing. So we have one of those coming up. The deadline for signing up is the 18th, February 18th for the parental uh, slash family dedication or the... um, uh, what, what sometimes it's called baby dedications. So I don't want to be confusing, but, um, parental dedication, family dedication or, um, baptism. So make sure and let us know by February 18th, if you're going to be a part of that or want to be a part of that. So, all right, um, moving forward. That's one of the things we, um, we focus on him. We try to understand what he's pointing us to, how he's directing us and guiding us. We're looking for that from him all the time. That's part of why one of the things we do, because this is who we are. Therefore, one of the things we do, our leadership board, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, our leadership board, um, has a, every set time we meet, um, what we try to do is we try to have a, um, prayer time that the beginning of the prayer time is us singing the hymn, be thou my vision. Um, That is there because it's a reminder. It says right in it, right there in the song, we want him to be our vision, our best thought, our wisdom, our light, our truth. That's what we're looking for. So that we would say, God, we want your vision. We want your understanding, not ours. And we're actually actually about to have, um, I'll mention it here, we are in the midst of having leadership board nominations. Um, Can you jump ahead? Would that throw you off too bad to jump ahead to the leadership board uh, picture? Um, so here's our, here's our church's structure. Just real quick, I'll do this. Um, I think they piled up too much earlier in the first service. I'm going to put this one here. Um, here's our, really our church authority, kind of our authority structure. Obviously God. We said it's his church. Christ's his church. So this is our goal. Again, no one is implying that we have this somehow 100% access to God that you don't have right? I don't have a big pointy hat. We're just a, we're just a bunch of people who are trying our best to, to listen to what God says to us and to lead the way he wants, trusting in his grace to protect us when we mess up. That being said, so at this church, we have a leadership board. That's the decision-making team. Um, uh, they act really as the kind of the biblical concept of elders, but for whatever reason in Baptist churches, elders are a scary word. So they're called a leadership board here. Um, I'm still not totally clear on the history of that, but I'm trying to learn it. The that's the leadership board. It's made up of these these people. Me, the lead pastor, but I'm not a voting member of the team. This is uh, what our bylaws decided. Some of you don't know this. You may not care. It won't take much longer if you don't. Um, but lead pastor, I, I'm not a voting member. I attend. I set the agenda. I'm the chairperson. But then we have seven members who are, who are all lay leaders who all are the voting members of this team. And so you have the deacon chair who is Bill Heimball This year was David Lake last year. We have great um, we have had great godly men, and we hopefully we will continue to have um, great godly people in those roles. And then we have—it's um, not that, that three of them are odder than the other three. I mean, that's—I'm not going to list names, but um, the—but uh, that the, every year we vote three in. So there's six other people. They're there for two years, and we're there. We're at the place in March is when we vote. So we're taking nominations now. Please do not nominate somebody because they've got a great agenda. Or because they represent some special population well. Or because they're successful in business. Or, or because they're a big name in the community. At the fundamental level, none of us should care about that when it comes to leading the church. That's great if they also happen to be any of those things. Okay, well, maybe so. But what we're looking for are men and women who are who are willing to defer and set aside their own thoughts, and their own wisdom and this, in pursuit of what God's is. That we would seek not our own understanding. That's what we need. And we have three key leaders who are stepping off the leadership board this time. Um, well, two are stepping off. One may or may not be stepping off. He may run again. But um, so we, um, we need to have great people put into those positions. I will tell you, you may not see week to week the degree to which this team directs our church. I see it day to day how much this team directs our church. Um, This is a vital decision that prayer needs to be prayerfully made to put the right people in these positions. Um, So then the church staff reports to me, the deacons who are the servants, uh, servant leaders of the church, they they lead by serving. Literally, you spot them, they're the ones who are serving in positions. Typically, you can guess that's probably a, a deacon. And by the way, often our leadership board is made up of deacons who have been selected by the church to also make leadership decisions. Um, anyway, this and our different work teams of all different types. This is how the structure of our church. Why? Part of why is because of what we just talked about. This is his church, and we want to be focused on him and listening to him. Part of it's the other one we're going to get to next of being equippers. Um, we'll get there in just a second. All right. Um, we want to follow his vision. Jesus, um, and part of that is the great commission. Um, Jesus said to them, Matthew 28, Everybody, if if you've been church long, you should know this one almost by heart, if not by heart. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Listen, so as you go to making disciples, you should teach, you should baptize. This is not a passage restricted to paid Christians. Um, the idea, if you were raised in a church kind of like I was, that, that, the, that this passage and the things in this passage, going, disciple making, teaching, baptizing, are for people with seminary degrees. How fantastically offensive that is to the original message that Jesus Christ had here, which was to all of his followers. This is what all of us are supposed to be doing. Here's one of the things that struck me as very ironic, even while I was talking in the first service. Most church members, most people who have been in the church even for years, have almost no ambition to accomplish these. You don't go, how do I find a place to teach? How do I find a place to teach what Jesus commanded us? Now, I don't mean stand up here and teach. It doesn't have to be in front of a classroom to teach. Teaching is done one-on-one. It's done by living it out. It's done, the, the teaching here, what he's, what he's talking about, is something that we are all called to find ways and places to do in our friendships, in our marriages, with our children, with other people's children. For most of you in the room, there is an opportunity to teach in this church just in children's ministry. It's a powerful way to prepare them to be leaders in the ministry over the next 20 or 30 years of Christianity in the Western world. And God alone knows what that's going to look like. There's no telling. But we can prepare them for that. We have that. One of the ironies that struck me is that most people in Baptist churches, Baptist Churches have no ambition to baptize somebody. Now, how ironic is that? That a whole generation of Baptists have no ambition, no plan, no strategy, and no consideration that they would ever baptize another person. Why is that? Well, because that's my job, right? Where is that in this passage? It's not there. The thought that, that a Christian would never know someone well enough, that we would ne- even our own children that we would never know someone well enough to have the opportunity to baptize them is a mistake. It should be an ambition a, a, it's because it 's a calling it 's a command that we do this. That we would see, where would I get the opportunity? How could I know someone well enough to bring them into the church, to lead them and disciple them? And when the day comes when they want to publicly display their salvation, their relationship with Almighty God, that I would be the one getting down in the water with them. It, it is a great honor. I love getting the chance to baptize people, to, to show this. Baptism doesn't save you, as we say every single time we do baptism. Baptism. But baptism is kind of the, it's, it's showing that salvation has occurred. And it is not something for, wherever we as a church got off base and started thinking that only people, somehow only licensed seminary graduates should be baptizing people. Wow. I wonder if that's blasphemous. I guess we'll hear about it someday. But this is a, it just boggles my mind. This is, a, this is a goal that I think every Christian should have in their heart to say, you know what? I want to go. And I want to go make disciples. I want to teach people who Jesus is and was in my life and in Scripture and in other people's lives. I want to understand that. I want to go and I want to teach. I want to know what they believe and I want to get engaged. And maybe someday when they come to know Christ, maybe they'll honor me with the request to baptize them. Some of you know perfectly well. People come to me and say, like, hey, I've got somebody who wants to be baptized or I want to be baptized or whatever. And I will tell them, like, why are you asking me? I mean, what are you telling me for? Right? I'm just the pastor. You don't know anyone better than you know me to baptize you? You don't have a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or a spouse or a son or a daughter who could baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ? I would recommend that. I would prefer that. Now, listen, I'm honored every time I get to baptize somebody. I'm not not minimizing that. That's awesome. But as a pastor, I think in some ways I feel more honored when we have a baptismal service and I don't get wet. Because other believers are baptizing other believers because it's the commandment that God gave us. It's the commission God laid on us. I'll probably get plenty of chances to baptize people. Will you? I've even tricked a couple people. There was a dad not that long ago who was like, no, no way I can do it. And so on Sunday morning, I showed up and and said, tell you what, I'll, I'll say the words, you do the baptizing. His eyes got really big and then I walked away so there wouldn't be a chance for him to back out of it. I, I think someday that dad will be glad that he's the one who put his son into the water and brought him back up. Even if you're a little nervous in front of crowds. Um, again, we don't take ourselves that seriously. So you can pull it off here. This is something God has called. It's what we do because God, of what God has said we are. What he has called us to. How we live this out. We also worship in spirit and in truth. We Oh, by the way, we go on mission trips. Um, we have one coming up for families, um, especially families with teens. A few years ago, we realized there weren't many opportunities here for mission outside of our community. There are a lot in our community. If you need a place to get invested, let us know. We can give you a list of opportunities, of options, of places to get involved. There are plenty of chances. Now, that being said, we also have outside of that. So Paul um, graciously took that over, even though it wasn't his job description. And he's, he took that over. And now we have multiple mission opportunities um, to go with. And so including a teen one that's coming up on spring break um, to go down um, that, that um, John Sturrock is leading that, to come in and um, uh, to go down to Deweyville. Am I saying it right? Yeah, Deweyville. And uh, just down by Houston, they flooded multiple times, and they just really need Christians to come down and let them know they are loved and not forgotten. (laughs) Because I think they feel pretty forgotten right now. And so for us to do that, um, we have many opportunities like that. It is part of my goals, our goals, that we would have family mission trips that are fairly local where kids of almost any age could go with their whole family could go and minister. The opportunities exist now. You don't need to wait on us. Uh, we will have some of those in the future that are spoken by us, but now's as good a time as any, um, see what else I'm missing here. Okay. So another thing we do is we worship in spirit and in truth because of who he says we are because we are his church, but the hour has come is from John four is now here when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him. I don't know that I've ever noticed that last little phrase. The father is looking for people to worship him this way in spirit and in truth, not in action, not in impressing people, not just in, in doing stuff wrote it's, this is what he's looking for. So, um, it's part of what John Redfern brings to the table. um, that is so cool. It's part of why it's so hard to have somebody else lead worship. When John isn't here, Michael's done a great job for us today, leading us in worship in a way that doesn't make it about Michael. He's not up there to impress us. And that's what John, that's John's example week after week after week. It's actually not that hard to find somebody who could put on a good concert. Um, but it's really hard to find somebody who will lead humbly us without trying to draw attention to himself. And um, there's a really short list of people who I even know who are capable of doing that. Um, and it kind of, so the, the, one of the things that ladies, the women's ministry recently did is they, they wanted to host a night of worship. And one of the things we needed to do was find somebody who John Redfern uh, uh, admired and would love to worship under. And plus, Ginger loves Shane and Shane, and so they're coming um, on March second. So I told you there's going to be some straight up announcements mixed in here. What these are is saying because of who we are. This is why we do that. So these guys love to lead in worship. They're not they're not super impressive uh, when it, they're not great showmen or anything, but they love to lead people in worship. So they're coming to lead us in worship on March second. You can buy tickets. Now, is this, is this second, not third, second. Um, does it say third somewhere? Okay. Okay. Scared me. Um, no second. So, and you can buy tickets. Now you do have to buy tickets in order to come. They're like 10 bucks or something. Um, but so I mean, you literally can pull out your phone right now and go to southspring.org and, and, uh, I should have had you plan to do this with every one of these David. It struck me in the middle of first service. Like I should have had these ready to go. Um, you can buy them right now. So anyway, it actually won't hurt my feelings if you actually do that now. So, um, I'll just think you're taking notes or looking at the Bible. I won't know. So you can do that. Um, this is part of what we do. We, when we gather together to worship tonight, we have a special opportunity for this that I'm I'm actually kind of pumped about. I don't even know what, what we're in for. Um, but tonight a young lady who her ministry is to recite the book of John. And so we're going to have a woman here tonight at 6 o'clock, a young lady. We met her Friday. Boy, she's a bundle of energy. Um, You would have to be, I guess. She's going to recite the entire book of John from memory starting at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a little bit dramatic. She's got a few props and that kind of stuff. Um, she invited us to cut like, I'm going to be working on my computer the whole time because I'll be getting incredible notes from the book of John as she's saying it out loud. I know that the spirit will work on my heart with that. And I've got to teach you the book of John for the next couple of years. And so I've got to be ready for that. Right. And so for you to be, to come, if you need to, if you want to sew while you're listening or whatever you want to do is fine with me. Um, but I really encourage you. There's no charge for this. And as an opportunity to just immerse yourself in God's word, I'm, I'm pretty honestly, Kind of fear and tre- trepidation about it. I'm, I'm really kind of fascinated to see what God does with me in the midst of it. These are opportunities to worship, to know that God is here and real and in our midst and for us to experience it. And we do these things together because, listen, the truth is, of course, if you wanted great teaching, you could listen to John MacArthur or John Piper or somebody else during the week. And and, and you could listen to Rich Mullins' music. And <clears throat> you, why, why would you not do that on Sunday morning? Um. The main reason is because we can do that all week. And on Sunday, we set aside a little bit of time to gather together and to engage in worshiping God and serving one another together. This is going to kind of jump over into some of the next section. All these overlap a lot. I realize as I've talked through them, they overlap a lot. But that we would would see this as an opportunity to come and worship and serve together. And when I get down in a minute to talking about us being treasure, I'm going to reference this again. But. Now, one of the things that used to strike me when Pike and I would talk, uh, Pike Weisner, the pastor of First Baptist, who used to pastor here um, when, uh, when we were First Baptists, and so he and I would talk about, like, we would say, it's always weird to us when people don't regularly come to church. Like, they come once in every four, five, six weeks, or something like that. And, and he would say, what's hard for him, to, he said say, what's hard for me to wrap my brain around is, how do they know that there's not somebody who's going to be there that morning who needs them to be there? How do they know that? How do they already know there's no one going to be their church this morning who needs me? Because that would have to be the assumption you have to not come. And that was always hard, troubling for him. He's, he's super relational guy. And he would say like, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid not to come because someone might come and go, well, shoot, I really needed Pike this morning. And so that could happen with any of us and should be happening with all of us. Um, That's why we have life groups, which you can sign up for now. We have all different types of life groups, the opportunity to learn and grow um, and to to find ourselves focusing in. And most importantly, in regards to those making friends, Um, an opportunity to make friends with other believers. So that's where we are. The transition to the next thing that God says that we are, which is equippers and ministers. Ephesians four teaches this. The sermon, this is this is the passage I preached the first time I was here. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he will fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. I'll stop there. This is the this is why you have staff. The reason you hire people like me, the reason we hire people like me, because that's one of the funny things. I'm also a church member. Um, or well, the reason we hire people like me or the other staff, which I'll talk more about them in a second, is to equip us. We we aren't we don't stand in for you as ministers. Well, you don't have to minister because you've hired someone to do that. Wrong. The the job we have now we are also church members and therefore ministers. We get to minister too, but that's kind of a side thing. We're, we're, our main thing, our job here at the church, is to equip you to do the ministry. That's our our job is to equip you to do this, to train you to do this. And so we offer lots of different opportunities to learn and train and equip like life groups where you can learn this stuff and you can get more able to live this out in your own lives without us. And I do believe in a perfect world, churches would, churches would hopefully get to the place where they really wouldn't hardly need staff. What you're hiring us for is training and expertise and time not because we're nearer to Christ than you are, not because we have all the truth and you don't. It's to train and equip you, and if that's not happening, you need to start taking advantages of the chances to learn and grow and be trained and equipped. That's that's what the church exists for. You notice that's what the language says. He gave, he gave, God gave these to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You are the saints being listed here. If you're a follower of Christ, you're the saints who are supposed to be accomplishing the ministry. Is that part of that's part of who we are? We believe the Bible teaches us, therefore, this is who we are. We are ministers. We are saints. That's who we are. Therefore, what do we do? Well one thing we do is we claim that every member is a minister. Every person could have ministries attached to them. That you would say, this is my ministry in God's kingdom and in the church. This is what I do. Here's what I'm called for. This is the stuff that I'm a part of. This is where the leadership board nominations come back in. We want people who are living this out to be our leaders. Don't put someone in charge of running the church who is not a disciple and a disciple maker. Please don't do that. If, if this person doesn't have people who they're training and equipping and teaching, don't put them in leadership here. Don't vote them in or nominate them. We need people who are equipping and being equipped to lead us. Um, I thought I'd take a second and share with you just because not everybody knows we've had some changes. We actually have an org chart. It's completely unreadable from where you're sitting, although we can throw it up there anyway. Um, That was entirely my bad. That had nothing to do with AV. That was, I sent them the wrong uh, type of file. Um, So again, my bad. No, No surprise to anyone. That's my bad. Um, so here we go. I'm going to just comment a little bit. And I've written myself some notes because I was, I was impressed myself as I'm going through these that, that our staff has grown to such a degree. But so let me, let me kind of tell you what they do. And I, I'm going to comment first that I, I'm, I'm part, of why, part of why I have that here is because I forget people's job titles. Um, I'm going to explain that. So uh, uh, job titles don't mean anything to me. Um, I have no intuition for them. And uh, This is, this is when, when we recently had a guy come in to do some temperament personality type testing for us um, to see how we're operating as a team. Um, he would ask me what everybody's job titles were. And every time I would have to be like, um, so Paul is the, I actually said it wrong in the first service one time. He is the executive teaching pastor. Got it right. And so I'd have to go through each one and be like, how about Rebecca? And I'm like, she's the um, executive director of ministries. And I always have to explain, if it was up to me, she'd be the executive pastor of ministries. But she's a little uncomfortable as a woman being called a pastor. And she's at a seminary right now that might be uncomfortable with that. So, but I'd be fine with it. Anyway, so she's like, uh, I have to go like, uh, and I have to do that every time with each pastor, each position. And he would say, why? He stopped me. He's like, why do, you, why do you keep doing that? Why do you not know what their job titles are? And I was like, because I don't care what their job titles are. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, their job titles are Paul, Rebecca, John, and Lance. That's their job titles. In my mind, that's the, as much a job title as I as I even think about. That's their job titles. He, he said, and this was good. He said, "Yeah, so you'll know like ninety-two percent of the population don't think that way. Like you're the freak here. You you the only the eight percent think like you do, and so you've got to learn to think differently because I I thought everyone understood this, and he's like, no, no one does, or almost no one does. Eight person in one, eight people in one hundred, so." Just, that's why I struggle with the job titles sometimes. But who they are, that's, that's what I'm passionate about. So the job title, it, what it says, if you could, if you could read it. Um, so the lead worship pastor is John Redford, obviously. And I've already commented on John. Um, His ability to lead us is second to none. It's just, it's it's a blessing week after week, at least it is for me. And then um, Paul, who is the executive teaching pastor, the executive role is a big part of his day-to-day job um, as he's in charge really of the operations of the church in so many ways. Um, If you don't know him, you've got, you're dealing with somebody who brings innovative solutions. This is what I wrote down as I was thinking about each of these guys. Um, Innovative solutions, incisive thinking, great analysis. I mean, Paul looks at a problem and he solves it. What a great person to have in that position. And as you've gotten to appreciate his teaching, um, especially over this last year, as he continues to, to teach um, scripture and love doing it, and you'll get more chances for that too. Um, Rebecca, um, in her role as executive director of ministries, um, her devotion to detail, desire to make things great. She is a, she's an awesome, cohesive leader. Um, I always get afraid of doing this type of thing, because I imagine there's people in the room with job openings at your work, and you're like, really? No. If you have a job opening, they are all terrible. They're ter- you don't you don't want them. Okay, so um, Lance um, Lance, who is is the associate pastor of engagement. Um, I really am bad at this. The associate pastor of engagement. Um, both of you have met him because that's Lance. Uh, Lance likes to meet people. His loyalty to the Great Commission, his desire to see people as shepherds here is just it's amazing to watch um, time after time. Um, for those of you who are old school, who are part of First Baptist before we were. Uh, when we were back at first Baptist South over a year ago, Elizabeth Smith is really kind of the Joyce Milburn now of our church. That means something to some of you. Um, she's the one who you send information to when you say, Hey, uh, we've got someone in the hospital. You need to know you send that to Elizabeth and she makes sure everybody else finds out. And by the way, please let someone know if you're in the hospital, um, uh, we we still are hoping that God will someday, just through the power of the Holy Spirit and supernaturally inform us when you're in the hospital, uh, but He hasn't started doing that yet. And uh, we don't we don't think badly of you when you let us know you're in the hospital. I think some people think that somehow we're going to just find that out, and then they come later and they're like, "Hey, how come no one visited me in the hospital?" And we go, "Well, we didn't we didn't know you were in the hospital. Like we didn't we don't just go room to room. Like, do I know you? How about you? Do I know you? Like." Um, and by the way, we don't think badly of you. It's not, it's not like if you send in an email and go like, by the way, I'm on my way to the hospital. Or you send a text to somebody, I'm on my way to the hospital. We don't go like, wow, they're kind of self-important. I think we want to know that. Like, no, no. <laughs> we, we do want to know that. We need to know. Because so, we have a whole team of people. Actually, two or three teams of people who would love to check in on you. Make sure you're okay. Um, uh, Micah uh, is our newest addition to the team. And, uh, and if you know Micah, you know this already. His dedication to help. His desire to understand how things are. Um, And to make them work the way they're supposed to is uh, incredible. He is perfect for his role working under Paul as being our facilities minister. Um, John Sturrock, who many of you know, obviously, our our student leader, uh, our student pastor. I did it again. It said something other than the job title. Student pastor. um, Wait, is that? No, student minister. Student minister. See, I'm telling you, I'm just terrible at this. Um, It's really very cute to me. Um, So the presence of uh, his presence of joy and his ability uh, to make people feel special. Um, in fact, as, as I understand it, uh, all, there's a young, a young lady here today who like, I think you invited like a Walmart or something, just to church or something like, it. uh, anyway, just like, Hey, you got to come go to church. Like, yes, John's ability to make you think you should belong where he is, is awesome. That's a, what a great gift for a student pastor, a uh, student minister, um, then we have uh, we have Bryn, who's new. there's a lot of these. I couldn't believe how many staff we have. Um, uh, like I don't know them, but I just I just don't put them together. So Bryn um, Starnes, who now works under Rebecca, is super competent, which you would have to be to work under Rebecca. Um, extremely common, joyful spirit. Uh, Denise, you may not know Denise. Um, Denise runs the hand in hand that the the. Um, uh, the Daycare, the daycare that we have here at the church that is always packed full and is awesome. Um, it falls under Rebecca's leadership, but Denise runs that. She is quiet, um, a great supportive person. She loves taking care of that and does a brilliant job. Um, Ginger Davis, who's now an associate children's minister. Um, her fierce dedication, her willingness to take things on, do them well. Uh, ben Roach, who now is not in charge of facilities. So if you could read this, you would see this. Um... Ben is not in charge of facilities now like he was. He was the facilities foreman. He is now working under Lance doing guest services stuff. So when you're setting up rooms or when you're talking with somebody about using our facilities, which, by the way, a lot of people do that. Um, this, is, this is now one of Ben's f- first jobs is to take care of you if you're using the facilities. So uh, for stuff like that, if you're an outside group, a guest like that. So we have about 1,000 people per Sunday show up on our property on Sunday morning, which obviously comes out to about 50,000 people a year. We had twelve over 1,200 outside groups or, or inside groups, but 1,200 group meetings other than Sunday morning last year. Think of how many of this this per day. On average, right, twelve hundred, which represented in the area of fifty-three thousand people, use our property other than on Sunday morning. That lets you know this is a huge ministry of the church. You want to get involved in something? There's an area. We would love to have more people coming and greeting and welcoming people who are using the, using our property. Um, so that's that's now Ben's one of Ben's focus and Edgar Crispin, who is the student intern and uh, man, his uh, generous and loving heart. He is a, a marine. I, I, I always ask somebody in the first service, and, and I never, there's not a good way to say this because you don't say former Marine, you don't say ex Marine, you don't say any of that. But so he's a Marine who is right now not being paid by the U.S. government, um, I guess is the way I'll say it. Um, but uh, anyway, so he is, he's done a great job with our kids. This is an awesome team of people who are at different levels trying to equip and train all of us. That's why we're here. Um, again, I knew you may not know the whole staff. You may not even know what their roles are. Um, just wanted to give you a sense of that. One of the things that Lance is doing is he is taking over the Who is SSBC class. So if you want to learn about this church, there's a class that runs. When is it? It's in the bulletin, I think, when the next one is. I know it's on the rotator. It starts up very soon. Is it next week? It starts next week and runs for three weeks. There you go. Thank you. Um, and so this is a great, you can be coming here for, for six years and you want to go to this class. Great. But if you're a new person or something, this is a great class to get involved in uh, to find out about it. We believe every member is a minister. As I mentioned, I encourage you to take notes, use your Bible, um, look those up. When, we, when we're doing this, you may be called upon to teach. If it's your ambition to make disciples, you may need some of these notes. So I recommend it. We need each other. We need each other to come alongside us when we struggle. We need each other um, to mentor our children and our teenagers and to engage in our families, to talk with us when we're in a, having a hard time, when our marriages are in a rocky place. We are the answer to a lot of this. We are largely God's provision for each other. That's what the community is all about. If we aren't committed or devoted to each other at minimum for a couple of hours a week, then we're not very committed or devoted to each other. Um, I'm going to now. now I'm gonna jump into this last section. Oh my gosh. I'm going to jump into this last. I'm running late guys. Um, I'm going to jump into this last section and I'm going to try to do it quickly, but I don't want to cheapen it. Um, and that is this, that we are treasure. Um, I'm going to cut the video. I hate to do that, but I'm not going to do it this week. We'll do it another time. Uh, many of you have seen the video that I have of the antiques Rojo um, in which the guy talks about the, the, the blanket that he has that ends up being worth a fortune. Um, that's a modern day telling of Matthew thirteen, forty four. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then with his joy he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. So we understand that God has bestowed on us the identity of treasure. We are his treasure. You are his treasure. I am his treasure. And it means not only that we are treasure, but that the other people here are treasure. This is significant. To say, how do, we, how do we communicate that? Now you know why we are hospitable. Now, we know, now you know why we are hospitable is because of the fact that we are all treasure. Hey guys over there, could y'all cut with the lights? I'm starting to distract people. Um, so that's what we are about. We are treasure in that we're saying this is a significant thing for us to live out. We live this out. That's why we are hospitable. We're hospitable because the people who come are treasure. We believe that. We believe they are treasure. So we greet them. So we let them know that they're special. That's how we engage with them as though they're treasure. That's why we do it. If you believe that someone is treasure, that alone could motivate you to get out of your chair during meet and greet and go find someone you don't know. What you communicate to guests when you don't get out of your chair and go find them is that you don't think they are treasure. And they're going to assume, therefore, God doesn't think they're treasure. This is this key portion of who we are as a church, as the church. The one thing we should be able to nail is hospitality. Because there's so many of us who are members here, and there's only 5%, 10% who are um, first-time or second-time guests. Man, they should be greeted like crazy. Authentically greeted. We get stuck inside of our own heads and what we're dealing with in our own lives. And we stop to think that when we come here on Sunday mornings as particular or Wednesday nights or whatever, man, we're here to serve each other, we're here to worship God together and serve each other. Let's be motivated by the fact that God says he sold everything to purchase us. That's part of why I'm so passionate about this, why we follow the example of, of this type of stuff. It's why we have donuts and coffee. That's not just for me. It's largely for me, but it's not just for me. It's because anything we can take off mom's plate when she's trying to get ready for church on Sunday morning. Listen, we didn't get to breakfast today. That's okay. We got something. They'll be all sugared up, but we've got them. Right? At least for a little while. That's that's part of who we are to people. The other day when, when kids came in their PJs and I had a mom tell me, like, that was awesome. I didn't even have to get them ready. I was like, bring them in PJs every week. It's totally fine. No I don't think anyone will say a word. You just do it. We want people to be able to come here. And here's one of the things I'm going to comment on. We'll talk more about this in the future. But we know we have a lot of people here, um, especially guests who come who have been hurt by church experiences. They've been hurt by the last times they've been to church. They've seen churches fall apart. They've seen leaders collapse. They've seen, they've seen different things that hurt. them. And some of them have been flat abused. Sometimes they've been abused and the church wouldn't listen or the church wouldn't help or the church wouldn't come alongside or the church wouldn't believe them. Or, or worse, they were abused by the church itself. We know that happens. And, and our goal, we're terrible at this too. That's why I say we're a dysfunctional family. We, we are terrible at this too. We're all broken. We're not here because we have it together. We're here because we don't. We have, we have Stephen Ministries. We have um, Grief Share Life Group. We have, we have a number of different opportunities, much less just to sit and talk with somebody, all the different groups to make friends. If you're someone who has come into church and you've been hurt, man, make, make sure and let someone know. Um, God came to save the sick and the, and the, and the lost. That's who we are sometimes. Isn't it fun to come gather to a place where people think you're treasure? Man, I love that. Maybe you say, well, I don't, I don't, people don't always treat me like I'm treasure when I'm here. Okay, well, let me, let me change your thinking then. If, especially if you're not a guest, if you're a member is to figure out how you can treat other people as treasure. If you'll focus your attention on that on Sundays and other ministries, you won't worry so much about the other. On top of that, this kind of joy comes from giving it to others, not from looking for it for yourself. Um, I do want to share this other video. It only takes a few seconds, so let me let me set it up. So a few weeks ago, Pike Weisner and I were having lunch. Uh, oh, t- maybe just one week ago, Pike and I were having lunch. We still do about once a month and talking about life. And and this girl came up. So we had eaten at this place called Go Fish, that's Pike's new favorite. And so, um, and so we we had eaten there, and Pike had had something. And afterwards, this girl comes up and. Uh, And she goes, how'd you like it? And he told her, now this is clearly not a girl who's working on commission. Um, She's just, she's an hourly wage. And she goes into about a 20 second spiel on what he probably ought to get the next time he comes. Okay, I want you to see this. this is, you can't understand it very well, but look at her. Look at her face and her spirit. Right. If you like the New Orleans, you're going to love the dinosaur. It has the same stuff in it, but plus a little bit more, like jalapenos, cream cheese, crab stick, and steak fried, Put crunch on top and meat on top. of it. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, so clearly that's obviously the second time she's done it because I didn't record her the first time she did it. She knew she was being recorded. Don't, I'm not creepy like that. So that's a. I mean, she's. They knew they were being recorded so it's a I was recorded. I said, "Oh, you got to come back and do that again." That was awesome. And and Pike had already said like, "Isn't this what we're looking for with people when they're talking about church?" I mean, this is, she's like an owner, she's a shepherd, but she's not, I mean, she but her heart is hard to say like, "Oh my gosh, if you like that, you'd love this." You ought to try this. So this would be awesome. Man, have you done a life group yet? Why haven't you done a life group? Come to my life group. We ought to, I mean, this is the, we have this excitement about this. We have these business cards. By the way, you don't have a lot left. Um, we, we talked about these on Wednesday night and people took about two thirds of what we had left. But that's what these business cards, I noticed that y'all do this for base camp. What is this? Oh, so um, for D now, business, business cards for D now, that's a great idea. This got handed one this morning. So. Um, I'm apparently I'm invited to D now. That's awesome. So almost everything coming up for youth, by the way, is on the website. You can sign up for it all now, all the way to summer camp yet. Uh, Not yet. yet. Everything up until summer camp. So we have these cards. They're blank when it says minister and there's a blank spot. That's for you to put in your name because you go, somebody, somebody this Wednesday said, well, I don't, I don't have anybody. I don't know anybody outside of the church experience. Well, let's fix that. You need to get to know the people who live around you, go on mission to them. And, and the person who's, who's checking you out at the grocery store and who's and the person who's serving you at, at your lunchtime or, or whatever. This is, this is what we believe. We are grateful. I just, so I'm going to wrap this up. So we're going to have a, a camera guy come up because we're going to do a little activity here that I'm going to need your help with. Now is the time I need some people to come fill in these gaps. So jump up and fill in these spaces. No, seriously. Like jump up and come fill in these these empty seats in the front. Any, any empty seat in the front like three or four rows. Move people. Come on. I need, I need more people. These only need, need about 20 people. Thank you. Glad to see all the real men are doing it. Um, okay, so look, there's all kinds of empty spaces here. And these front, these front. Somebody jump up and fill these in. We need these for this activity. Everybody needs to have a little green. If, you, if you're in the first few years, especially need a little green thing, a little leaf or branch or whatever. Good. One of these. Okay. I'm not quite there. They're getting this stuff ready for me. This is going to be fun. Let me share with you what we're doing. So I looked in. I looked in scripture. I looked up something to see. I was looking for a scripture that would say that would indicate um, uh, these. Some of these front ones would be good too. Some of these here. Um, might have just instructed youth. Youth, get up and move into these spots. Um, so listen to this passage. There's a passage here that, that from 1 Timothy 1.12, I was looking for, how I've never seen this passage before boggles my mind. But it says, this is the Apostle Paul. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I formerly was whatever. All of us can fill that in. But though I formerly was, fill that in. That's fine. But here's the deal. We have the opportunity to serve. God has given us the grace to serve, the opportunity to serve that we don't deserve. That's how we need to see it. Is that this is who we are? We are treasure. We're treasured enough to get to do this work. We're servants enough. We get to do this. He's called us to this and he honors us with the opportunity, blesses us with this. We are treasure, even if we don't know it. And other people are treasure too. We've got to learn to treat people that way. We are equippers and ministers. There's work for us to do and we get the freedom to do it as well. And then finally, um, back to the beginning, we are his. We are his church. So here's what we're going to do real quick. Part of where we come from is a legacy. We are one year old as of a couple of weeks ago. And um, we were planted by First Baptist Church of Tyler, who planted nearly every Baptist church in Smith County and many others in East Texas. Um, and so we're going to communicate some appreciation to them for, their, uh, for planting us a year ago. So what I'm going to do is we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the camera like it's just me, and you guys need to stay totally quiet. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the camera just for like a few seconds like it's just me. Okay? And everybody's going to be quiet while I do that. And then I'm going to say, and I have some friends who would like to echo my thoughts on this. And so then I'm going to turn, and the camera's going to turn as well. And when the tamer, camera gets turned to where it can see you, everyone needs to jump up. And if you've got the little things, wave the things and say, thank you, First Baptist Church. Okay? Everybody got that? Okay. And then they, they can show it on their video. They don't know this is coming, so keep it quiet. Shh, keep it quiet. But while they're talking to me, uh, make sure and stay quiet because it's supposed to look like it's just me. And then we'll close. Turn the other mic on. And do I need to turn the other one off? No, the other one can stand on this one. Okay. Guys, well, thank one, thank you for that. I know that that will mean a lot to them. Too often that kind of stuff gets forgotten. And so we want to say thank you. But um, um, I, I hope and pray that God is calling you to some place to engage in ministry um, to make a difference. So I'm going I'm to pray um, that, you will, that we will all be able to accept the truth. Listen, you are treasure. God has declared that to be so. We think of things as common. God thinks of us as treasure. And in that treasure, we have the opportunity to really engage with our with, with the truth of who he says we are and how we engage with other people. It's bigger than us. How cool to be part of something that's bigger than us. So I want to pray. Uh, Michael, come on up and, and um, although they, they may have hit all your stuff, um, he'll figure it out. Um, so we'll pray and then we will uh, um, we'll, we'll be dismissed in just a second. So Anyway, I hope that you let God work on you in the truth of who you are and who we are. Father, we are so grateful um, that you are God who still bestows identity. And the fact that we reject that is just foolishness. Um, God, that you are the type of God who freely, lovingly gives us things that we can count on about you and about ourselves. And that we can live that out. Um, Lord, how grateful we should be. And I pray that we will in all things, in all of this, give thanks. Thank you that... You have made us. Um, You have called us. You have purchased us. You have sealed us. You have gifted us. Thank you, Father, that you have made us and called us light and salt and a spring. Um, Lord, that we're a city on a hill, that we're your ambassadors, your sons and daughters, adopted by you. God, I thank you that you bestow identity on us, that we are treasure, that we're equippers and we are ministers. And God, just to be claimed is the most powerful thing. And you have claimed us as yours. We are yours. Before we are anything else, we're yours. And I pray we'll be able to live that out in our marriages and in our homes and with our kids. We'll live out this identity in everything that we do, word or deed. Done in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.